1996, Chris Carter followed up The X-Files with the darker, arguably more sophisticated series, Millennium. Fans yearning for Frank Black's heroic return can revisit past nightmares and see glimpses of a hopeful future in the new feature-length documentary, Millennium After the Millennium. Villain Media affirms the documentary establishes how relevant the former Fox series still is to society. UK Film Review says Jason D. Morse creates an enthralling documentary. Screen critics calls it an absolute must-see, featuring new interviews from Lance Henriksen, Chris Carter, Frank Smotnitz, and many more. Millennium After the Millennium is available now at thetimeisnowmm.com. This is who we are. I've seen things people wouldn't believe. Maybe I don't care. Have a drink. All the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. Didn't do it. Why not? The whole thing's been wrong from the beginning. I feel dirty. Is there anything I can do? Please, Dix, can't you relax for a second? My name is Nep, Walter Nep. I was thinking about that dame upstairs and the way she had looked at me. He's looking at you, kid. Yesterday, this would have meant so much to us. Now it doesn't matter. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. You're right, you're right. Welcome to the Speakeasy Noir Cast, a podcast discussing film noirs of yesterday and neo-noirs of today. Each week, we're going to deliver a discussion of our analysis of classic noir films, and occasionally we'll interview up-and-coming directors and writers of new neo-noir films, all mixed in with our unintelligible banter. Your hosts for the show, Jason D. Morris and Carly Street. Some fun times during quarantine and work. Interesting <laughs> balance of life there. <laughs> And uh, her customer zombies. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't quite unlike George Romero's Dawn of the Dead, but... <clears> or oh, Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Whether you'll yeah. work at Asda. A little different, but yeah. <laughs> well, put Charlie's in the hands. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... We're gonna we're gonna go through a little lesser known uh, noir today, um, but before we do that, and we also have a um, a special uh, addition to today's show, which we haven't done before. This will be a first time for us, a couple first times actually. We have a um, a listener suggestion for a film, and um, later on in the episode, we're going to have um, an interview uh, from a gentleman that we spoke to a few weeks ago uh, named Tom Walker, who's a filmmaker and uh, uh, has shot a few uh, noir short films and a few music music videos that have a sort of noir style. Uh, we're gonna be talking to him later on, so stick around after uh, we discuss today's film. Um, before we get into that though, we're going to, uh, we're gonna talk about our, our drink for the week Oh, and by the way, before we even do that, we apologize for uh, last last week. Uh, we, we didn't release an episode, and we have a good reason for it. Um, we had a, uh, a little movie premiere um, that was taking place, so we were tied up for that. And um, you guys can check it out on YouTube if you like. Uh, it's called The Curious Case of the Murder That Wasn't, where we did this crazy little thing, and we uh, combined some classic uh, 70s and 80s sleuths into one film. Um, even further back than that, 1800s. <laughs> but we, we took uh, Sherlock Holmes, uh, Columbo, uh, Jessica Fletcher from Murder, She Wrote, and um, Dr. Mark Sloan from Diagnosis Murder, and we slammed him into a movie about the death of Agatha Christie. Because that's how we roll. Right. <laughs> and uh, uh, the movie was uh, backed by Kickstarter, um, and... Uh, uh, we shot it back in October, and we just released it on uh, on the first. Um, and uh, the premiere went pretty well, uh, but that's why we uh, ended up not having uh, an episode last Wednesday. Uh, we were we were dealing with all the ins and outs of that. And uh, if you guys have time, go check it out. The curious case of the murder that wasn't. But uh, now let's get into our drink of the week. Uh, this one's got an interesting name. It's a fairly long name. Um, and I feel like maybe I should have saved this one for a more doom and gloom sort of noir, but um, uh, this one is called 
the three wise men versus the four horsemen. <laughs> wow. That's, right. That is apocalyptic. It is. It is. I love it. And um, it, what a mouthful to, to ask a bartender for, right? I know, yeah. Can you imagine if you were drunk? Ah, the three wise men. That might be where the name came from. Who knows? <laughs> it's pretty simple uh, a drink here, too. Um, it's, it's filled with shots. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Half shots. <laughs> All right, the three wise men versus the four horsemen is a half ounce of scotch whiskey, a half ounce of Tennessee whiskey, and a half ounce of bourbon. And what you do is you prepare a glass with ice, add the three whiskeys to one glass. <laughs> wow. Stir and serve. For the four horsemen, add a half ounce of Irish whiskey. So I guess there's two different combinations. You just do the straight half shots or you can uh, turn it into the three wise men versus the four horsemen with the half ounce of Irish whiskey which I'd probably do um, and that might work pretty well it's going to be a strong drink I was going to say that's like one sick floor yeah well wow. scotch is, is a little lighter and bourbon's a little lighter too and then you got the whiskey in there and then the Irish whiskey as well so it's a it's a pretty steep drink there um, it says it's a cool refreshing and intoxicating <laughs> Intoxicating, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, seems like a pretty nice drink. I, it's like, uh, it's like I playing might. Russian roulette with a shot glass. <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, I've got everything for this, so I'm going to be having that today. Um, Carly's going to have a half ounce of gin with a half ounce of gin and a half ounce of gin and a... For the, dash, uh, four, a dash of lemonade, because I'm not a horsemen, She's going to put in uh, a half ounce of... Uh, Probably Bud Light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about when I created Lagerzade? No. What is this? Do you have a Lucasade over there? I have no idea what that is. It's like like an energy drink. No. Uh-uh. We have like okay. Red Bull and Monster and stuff like that. Well, I did it with Red Bull as well, but it didn't sound as good. Like Bullzaga isn't as good. As Lagerzade. Yeah, it's not <laughs> as good as Lagerzade. That's like, Got boom. <laughs> and it's basically um, a pint of beer, and then you chug a third of it, and then you put Lucasade in it, and it sends you off your box. Interesting. Yeah, because you have like the energy hit that's like, I want to jump around and bounce off the walls. But then you also get the kick of the lager that's like, oh, I'm starting to feel dizzy. Woo! Yeah, I never really got into the whole mixing the energy drink with the alcohol thing. It was a pretty big craze out here too. Um, particularly with like Red Bull. I think they would do like, I don't know, mix Red Bull and whiskey or something. I'm not sure what it was, but I just, I never did it. It was, uh, I'm not a up and down kind of person, but that seems just mixing mixing the opposite spectrums and I guess that's why people do it <clears throat> I only did it because I was very tired yeah because we had a really big party and then the beer delivery at like five o'clock and I was very very tired yeah I mean I know a lot of people like it I just I don't know for some reason to me it just doesn't sound like a a good time <laughs> <laughs> it was not a good time the next day no oh. Exactly. <laughs> oh no <laughs> exactly you're gonna crash from the alcohol and the sugar <laughs> and caffeine oh yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> So there you have it, guys. That is the three wise men versus the four horsemen. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about a 1946 film called Night Editor. Well? What kind of a hot brick did you hand me down at the DA's office? Did you drag me all the way down here to tell me that? I've got to get back to my party. You're coming back to the DA's office with me and tell him you lied. You're going to tell him you weren't with that ape, but with me that night. What are you drinking, lady? Nothing for me, thanks. But you better have a shot ready for the boyfriend here. He's gonna get a shock. Where are you heading in? You poor dumb cop. Why do you think I got him to the DA's office ahead of you? So you got yourself a new boyfriend. He's more my type. <laughs> 
You can go back to your Martha now. I'm leaving. You're coming down to headquarters with me right now. Listen, you fool. You can get me there, but who'll believe you? You can't do a thing about it, Tony. Your hands are tied. In just about 10 hours, it'll all be over. <laughs> who are you going to tell it to? The Marines? Editor. It's a 1946 film. Uh, it's considered a B-movie film noir. Uh, it was directed by Henry Levin. Um, and uh, Carly, because uh, I know you loved this film, why don't you give us your, in a nutshell, famous synopsis? Okay. This is a, this is like in a, this is in a ridiculously short nutshell. Oh, I thought your last one was like. <laughs> It's very plain and simple and to the point. Um, reasons not to have an affair. Oh, excellent. That That is, in a nutshell, reasons not to have an affair. If you're thinking <laughs> about it, people in quarantine, you're seeing some pictures, don't go there. Don't do it. That, that's a that's a great, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great synopsis. Very true. Yep. This is a this is an Say excellent reason no. to not uh, step outside. <laughs> oh, yeah. Say no. Just say no. Don't get in the car, kids. Don't right. do it. Yeah, and you know he had a, a seemed like he had a very uh, decent life here. This guy uh, was just a masochist or, or whatnot, and I'm not really sure what what his deal was. But um, I I did enjoy the film quite a bit, though. Was, I really liked it too. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I'm surprised that it's a, considered a B movie and you know whatnot, and um, but uh, I thought it was pretty well acted and it had a good good setup, good drama to it. I was really really surprised it was so short. Um, yeah. I think it was only. 65 minutes or something it wasn't even like you know it was barely over an hour um, it, was, it barely pushed an hour and that was with the ridiculous ending and the credits i think right yeah and um i mean but it was it's it's good i thought it was i thought it was entertaining and it was fun um just sweating it the whole time if this guy's gonna get caught and is he gonna you know telling himself like how's he how's this gonna play out kind of thing uh it was pretty fun to Pretty fun to watch and, and see what he was going to do next because I think I think this is one of those kind of movies where everybody's sort of thinking, well, this is what I would do. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I don't know that um, he was uh, thinking the right way the whole time. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. He's another scoundrel. Yeah, I mean, he is. You know, it's, it's weird too. And I love characters like that who – are actually somebody was just posting about this online earlier today talking about uh the horror film happy birth uh happy death day whatever it's called and uh how good the character of tree is in the movie and i i disagree because i just think she's a totally or they were talking about how she's a likable character and why aren't there more horror films that make likable characters and i was thinking she's an extremely unlikable character to me like the whole point of that they created her character that way it was in order to have her cheesy story arc where she somehow becomes a better character by the end of the movie and i just don't feel like you i feel like there's a better way i feel like you can have a good person do really bad things and and learn from that they don't have to be a bad person you know no. and become a good person because it doesn't it's not that it doesn't sound it doesn't really happen very often right does it really yeah exactly it's not very realistic in terms of like real people you know, some people are assholes. I get it. Some people are really good people, but everybody at some point, no matter how good they are or how bad they are, they do something that's out of character that sort of changes who they are. Um, and I'd rather see that. I'd rather like this, this man here, he doesn't seem like he's a bad person. He made a really poor choice. Um, and he has a sense of duty. He has, you know, he, he's, he's a cop. Um, and you become a cop for a reason. Um, it doesn't mean that you're a perfect person, um, but he certainly wasn't unlikable and he certainly wasn't a bad guy. Um, he just, he did a really bad thing and he saw somebody else do something really bad and that 
that sent him on this uh, downward spiral. Um, I think it that made him realize what he was doing wrong because he was like, oh, crap. Yeah. Like, this is my whole purpose and I can't stop it because I've done this horrible thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, and I think that's what, honestly, what kept the movie so interesting to me is wondering how far down that rabbit hole he's going to go and when he's going to finally, you know, tell everyone else, you know, what, what really happened. Um, and, and I really loved the whole setup of, you know, it's a cautionary tale because they started out with the other cops in the precinct. Uh, what were they playing poker or something like that? I can't remember what they were doing. Yeah. It's it's a flashback, isn't it? From a newsroom and they're all, they're all like, oh, well, you know, this is what happened to so-and-so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very cautionary tale of like, you know, be careful, you know, know who you are kind of thing. And, uh, you know, don't, don't make these same sort of mistakes kind of thing, you know? And and I thought Mm. that was very interesting. Um, and, and I loved the fact because you can totally, by the end of the movie, which I didn't really find cheesy as, as I don't know, what did you call it? <laughs> did you call it oh, a cheesy bl- ending? Oh, bloody hated. I called it crap, I think. Oh, I bloody okay. hated the ending. That last scene completely just spoiled it. I and, thought, oh, bloody And you're talking hell. about when he comes into the precinct or whatever? Or- when he's at the bloody serves him a, a drink or something at the bar or gives him a newspaper or whatever it is. And it's, oh, here he is. Oh, and then yeah. his son ends up being upstairs. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Didn't okay. like that. Okay, yeah. I thought you were talking about where he comes in and talks to the other person and the guy realizes, oh, oh, you're the guy we've been talking about all night. Yeah, yeah, that's the bit I'm on about. Oh, okay. Remember, because the, the guy that was asleep in the corner finally, like, I don't know, has an epiphany, goes downstairs, and then comes face-to-face with the guy they've been talking about. Okay, But yeah. then actually, at the same time, his son was upstairs in the back office all along. Yeah, I see, I didn't mind that. I thought that was pretty... I liked that bit. I just didn't like the bit downstairs. Where okay. Like, oh, bye. Yeah, I could I could do without that part. That was you know, but I I do like the whole thing of him coming back and us and and the realization of others who were talking about um, kind of thing because it kind of showed he's a much much different person now. Um, yeah. And I liked that. I liked to be able to see the aftermath of it all and it being you know, there's a bunch of time that's been passed and he's become this cautionary tale. I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, I mean, that's what happens when you get stabbed in the back with a toothpick, isn't it? <laughs> well, I guess so. I mean, there's a lot of things, but um, yeah, I mean, he, he obviously, you know, learned and, you know, it's not a mistake he's going to make again. <laughs> yeah. Well, nope, definitely not. <laughs> but he seemed happy and that was the thing that, that I liked about it. He, he, regardless of what happened, he generally seemed like it was for the better. Like whatever happened to him was for the better. He seemed like he was a happy person now. As before, and he had his, that he had that good relationship with his son as well. Still, so yeah, it hadn't impacted that. So that was good. Right, right. And and it seemed like there was a reason why he you know stepped out on the marriage or did what he did, and all this stuff happened. He either wasn't happy or couldn't find happiness in some way. And in the end, or whatever, this, he became a different person. Um, and and found, you know, I, I guess. Happiness, happiness, so to speak, or or a way to to deal with it, or whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, I mean, overall, I thought it was a, I thought it was a really good movie, and I was surprised that it was just considered a B movie because um, I didn't, I didn't see any sort of like terribly like campy cheesiness to it. It it seemed like a pretty pretty well thought out idea and story, um, which again, uh, doing some research on it, um, you know got me even more interested in it because I, I discovered that it was based on a uh, radio show um, that would ran, that ran from 1934 to 1948. And this particular movie was based on one of the stories on the radio show. Um, and apparently there were supposed to be a whole series of films uh, based on the radio show. Uh, unfortunately this was the only one that was made and I'm not sure why there wasn't a whole lot of information on it. Maybe it didn't do well in the theaters or I'm not sure why. Um, but they did end up doing a, uh, television show as well, uh, which was made in 1954, which was about 10 years after the movie. Um, so the, the movie was made while the radio show was still popular and still going. And then, uh, the TV show, which only had one season, uh, was made about 10 years after the, the radio show ended. 
See, I looked for that to try and find it because I thought it was so fascinating that it was a series of stories. Right, yeah. I thought it was a really great setup to have them in the newsroom talking about yeah. different, different coverage and stuff like that. And I couldn't find it. I was very disappointed. Yeah, and I really feel like even today's standard, especially as a television series, that it would probably be a pretty good idea for a uh, not only an anthology type series um, where each season maybe could be instead of each episode being standalone I think by today's TV standards they would probably do a a season arc with one story and then the next season would be a different story kind of thing uh, and I think that would probably do pretty well mm. seems like a pretty pretty good idea it kind of reminds me a bit of Cold Check the Night Stalker um, if each one of those individual stories ended up being a season arc would have been, I think, a good idea. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty well done for uh, for what it was, and it just, I, it was just a little short. I wish it could have been longer. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen a bit more interaction with him and the wife. Mm-hmm. Because all, yeah, all you ever get is like, oh, you get his actions through other people, like, oh, tell me why I'm working. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right then. Oh, there goes a very busy man. Yeah, we know what he's on about. And then I, I think I think if they had done that though, then we might have saw him in less of a a positive way. Possibly, yeah. Because I think we we know what he's been doing, and I think that would have would have affected uh, his likability if we had seen more of his wife. Especially if his wife is super likable, and it's like, oh, how could you do this to this person? Um, I think that would have hurt. I agree with you. I would have liked to have seen her more in it, but I think it would have hurt the hurt his character as far as us liking him and you know his issues that he's dealing with um, overall. I could be wrong, but um, well, depends on how they would have done it. No, I think you're right with that because when when he when Tony's being nice to his wife, the only compliment he has is uh, I think he like it's he says something like it's been pretty rough on your monkey monkey face. It's been pretty rough on your monkey face. And I thought, is that you being complimentary? I mean, right. and then she, because she she says something like, oh, I don't know. She she says something and he immediately starts going, oh, well, whatever. <laughs> oh, okay then. Right. So she didn't appreciate you calling her a monkey face. <laughs> and yeah, now yeah. you're getting angry with her. So. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that was like a common term back then, what that meant. <laughs> It's funny. It was it was very strange. I thought monkey monkey face is that is that sweet? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, we don't know if that was a good thing or not. I'm gonna take it as like maybe a yeah, like a little nickname. Yeah, maybe. It's like does she blow raspberries and like tuck on her ears at him or something? I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was very confused by that. I thought okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he immediately phones up his mistress and's like hi. Hey, babe, how's it going? Yeah, see, yeah. Ain't no so monkey face there. Yeah, if if <laughs> if she wasn't more, I think it would have uh, taken a turn for the worse. <laughs> yeah, because she is very sweet. She's just there yeah. like, do you want some food? Do you want some dinner? Yeah. We, Please we stay with felt, me. We, we already felt bad for her. You know, I, I think we would have felt even worse and like hated him. And then I'm like, yeah, get caught. <laughs> yeah, I hope you do. I hope they think you murdered right. them. <laughs> right. Which, I mean, I was I was hoping he's going to get caught anyways just because he did something wrong. But at the same time, you don't want him to get in trouble, trouble, you know. Um, but I definitely think that we would have been fine with it had he went to jail or, or something like that. Um, you know, if, if she had been in it more and, and made him <laughs> a worse character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't, um, I don't know that I've seen any of these actors before. William Gargan is uh, the lead. Uh, Janice Carter and Jeff Donnell. I don't, I don't know that I recalled seeing them in anything else. So it was kind of fresh faces to me, um, which was nice. Um, how did you feel about the the mistress lady? Because I didn't particularly care for her. Oh no, she was horrid. Yeah. But then is that just because she was such a good actress that her character is just horrible? She's got no redeeming qualities about her whatsoever. Yeah, probably. probably you know, and, and it wasn't... So she probably they, just did an awesome job because she was horrible. Yeah, and, you know, she... They didn't let on, like, right away how bad she was. So I, I didn't no. like her right off the bat, though. 
Um, but as, as it progressed and she becomes more of a terrible person, you find out how she's like really like a triple crosser kind of thing. Yeah. And then when um, she's in the bar, like, Oh, get my boyfriend a shot. He's married yeah. love. You want to be, keep that on the lowdown. Right. Right. That's the whole reason why you were in a secret car in a field. Right. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, get my boyfriend a shot. The police officer. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a new boyfriend now. <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought they did a great, job characterizing her you know making her bad and and you wonder like what he sees in her kind of thing is it just a pretty face sort of thing or is there more to it which i'm i'm kind of happy they don't really go into too much um you know it's more about the the murder and what he's dealing with and whether to talk about her or not talk about can he catch the bad guy kind of thing but it was it was intriguing to me it was intriguing um and I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I'd probably watch this one again just for the fun of it. Um, I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I, I did. And you know what? The CSI guy, mm-hmm. he needs a special mention. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. He was fantastic. Every single TV series that has a grumpy medical examiner <laughs> right, has watched this film and gone, that's our guy. Right. It, it reminds me of um, uh, Ducky from NCIS a bit. <laughs> I don't know if you. you See, he, that. he reminds me of everybody, every medical examiner from CSI <laughs> that's like, I don't want to be it. I couldn't give a shit. <laughs> they died from a bullet to the head and then makes a funny joke. Right. <laughs> I, just, I thought that guy was great. We needed more of him. I wish there was more bodies so we could have got, got him back. You could do a whole series just with him, huh? <laughs> whole, just him. Just him on his own in the newsroom <laughs> telling an interview or something. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, now. It's been two weeks since I watched this. Was that the same guy that would show up and basically say, hey, I know you did something? No. Okay, that's I, a different okay, guy, so right? it's been like two weeks since I watched it as well. Okay. But I think, um, because I remember really liking like his part. I couldn't figure out if it was his partner or whether he was just like his best friend at work. Yeah, it felt like it was just... he had a slightly strange accent and he was always trying to keep up with him, but he kind of knew he'd been tailing him and he knew what he'd been doing and he was just jumped in with a little bit of advice and... Yeah. I thought he was great. Yeah, I really liked him as well. And I thought it was, I thought it was well played of uh, the screenwriters to, to inject him in there because it it added a little tension, um, but not too much. Yes, because he wasn't too much. He wasn't too intrusive and he wasn't trying to dish out. I can solve your problems and yeah. they weren't having long conversations about it. It was just, it was just very real that yeah. if you were in that situation and somebody knew, they would just every now and again go, listen, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. And it was obvious that he cared about him to some extent, like whether, I don't know, you know, if it was what their history or backstory is. And I think that's maybe a part where the movie could have extended its runtime, giving a little history between them two. Um, but I, I I really enjoyed that because it wasn't like he was trying to catch him. No. He was really trying to sort of like I wouldn't even necessarily say he was, he was just trying, trying to help, to help ha- him in a way, but it was it was more like, you know, I kinda noticed this. Uh if uh you might want to uh, you know <laughs> Yeah, you might want to this. stop going off with that crazy woman and right. murders because your wife's actually quite nice. Um <laughs> Yeah. It's it's almost like he probably would have went ahead and let him hang himself. Um, but he also would have kept his secret. Yeah. He also would have kept a secret and wouldn't have like, you know, wouldn't have, uh, gone against a fellow cop sort of thing. You know, it it was one of those situations where, because we didn't have any backstory between those two, really, it's like, is he just being a good, uh, uh, what do you call him? Boy in blue or, uh, you know, whatever that, you know, how they act like a family kind of thing and they don't rat on each other sort of thing. That's like what, what I got from him. Um, because he was, it wasn't overtly sympathetic. He wasn't overtly helpful. But then he wasn't judgmental either. Exactly. Yeah. At all. I think it helped because he was a very older character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. So he's, it was he's all, probably done plenty like of wrong things there. himself. Yeah. yeah. It was almost like I've been there, done that. You don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. So I thought he was a great addition to the story. I thought that was, that was a good idea. So, hey, Carla, let's take a break real quick and talk to our listeners about our sponsors. All right, guys, we're back and we're going to keep talking about this film. The original TV show, they would let listeners write in and suggest story ideas, which I thought was pretty interesting because oh, you don't, yeah, you don't really have anything um, in today's sort of media that allows you to, uh, 
to really do that on a, on a, you know, popular culture level, you know? Um, and I mean, obviously the show is popular. It ran for over 10 years. Um, and so this, this particular episode was based on a, a story called inside story by Scott Littleton. Um, and then the screenplay was eventually written by Hal Smith. And I would be curious like to figure out how they decided to do this particular story. I mean, if it ran for the show itself ran for 10 years, um, and this particular movie was made before the, the series saw its end, you know, what, uh, like two, three years before it ended. I wonder how they decided on this because was it a super popular episode or, you know I mean? I wonder how that, how that came about. There's, there's so much information that I can't find on this movie that I wish that there was, I don't know, somebody should write a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody wants to in quarantine right <laughs> Joe Madry if you're listening write a book about Night Editor I know nobody will buy it but <laughs> I nobody's, will. nobody's heard of it <laughs> I will but it would be fun and you will that's two I sales I definitely would yeah there we go that's two sales I'll make street buy it I don't know if that's going to put food on his table but you know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's like a hundred pound a book <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah so I, I, we don't have a whole lot of time left because we're going to have to get into our interview with uh, Tom. Um, so I think maybe we should move on to uh, to giving this movie a rating. Oh, okay. You, you go first. Okay. So there wasn't a whole lot in this film that I found uh, new or that I hadn't seen before. But again, I, I don't know if at the time this sort of dynamic is uh, – fresh and new or uh, uh whatnot this but could have been the blueprint yeah it could have been and I, I, I don't know that i wish i wish i was around back then to like really know um or need to study my film history a little more but um <laughs> yeah <laughs> which we know that's the real answer <clears throat> <laughs> until until guy pierce shows up with his time machine <laughs> <laughs> Um, Please do. That's yeah. another thing. Put that on the list with Joe writing a book. <laughs> Get your time machine out. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed it. I just thought I thought the actors are great. I thought it was well directed for what it was. Um, my my only real negative, I think, is like you said, the, it would be nice if the wife was in it more. But again, that's sort of a double edged sword. And I wish it was a little longer. Um, but I, I'm going to give it a solid eight. Um, cause I just, I just thought it was fun and I would definitely watch it again. Interesting. So what, what are you, you're, you're, you're changing your numbers in your head now, aren't you? No, no. Cause I, pre <laughs> right. I pre-wrote it down. This is why we need to film things. Cause I pre-wrote this down. <laughs> okay. And I'm also giving it an eight out of 10. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. I, okay. Hold on. Is this the first time we've agreed on a number for a movie? Maybe. I think I think it might be. Maybe there's one other. I can't remember. Oh, maybe 39 Steps. Do we both give that a 10? Possibly. We maybe, both should Maybe have. Conflict. Maybe there's a couple we've totally agreed on. But this is good. This is good. We haven't agreed in a while, I believe. No, we have not. Yeah. Particularly I'm Narrow Margin, it. which I... Uh, <clears throat> uh, anyway. There we go. Again. <laughs> Bloody hell, we don't need Guy Pierce for that time machine because you've apparently got one. <laughs> I hold grudges, that's all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, you have to tell the listeners your awesome news as well. So afterwards. That, what's that? About getting your little certificate of authentication. Oh, yeah. So You're folks at home. You're officially authenticated. Yeah. Folks at home. So, she, <laughs> so last time you guys discovered that Carly did something amazing and uh, made uh, my wife and I a uh, lady and lord of Glencoe. Uh, and we just got those certificates, which we are going to hang on the wall and proudly display as, uh, we're now, uh, I don't know, are we royalty? <laughs> I feel like we, if we all start saying it, then, you know, it, it makes I it think true. it's going to happen. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. uh, Candyman or something, you know, you say it enough times, it makes it real. <laughs> <laughs> we just appear right. <laughs> in Highland outfits. Hello. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, so that's a thing. That's awesome. I, I, I think it's really cool. Um, yep. So those are going to be framed. I'll probably, uh, maybe eventually, uh, send you a picture of those hanging on the wall. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you again, Carly. That was pretty awesome. It's all right. We can combine patches now and have like a super bench. Yes. <laughs> oh, we could get a water fountain. Yeah, like I said, yeah. Yeah. We'll have to recreate the, uh, the little end, end shot from Friends. There's only, <laughs> yeah. only be four of us. <laughs> um, so, all right. So, we agreed. Eight, eight gens eight. out of, yeah, ten. Yeah. So, that's good. Yeah. Good I would have given it nine, actually. But the ending, I was really disappointed by just that last bloody scene. Last little bit, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have been nine. Okay. Well, yeah. that's all right. Fair enough. Yeah, solid movie though. You guys should check it out if you can. It's uh, the Night Editor, nineteen forty-six film, directed by Henry Levin. Um, and now what we're going to do is we're going to get into uh, an interview with a gentleman named Tom Walker, who this is our our first interview uh, that we have uh, done. And there might be more where we're, we've talked about it. It's, it's one of those things where it depends on everybody's schedule and, and time. So this won't be a regular thing, but it'll occasionally pop up, um, maybe on these shorter episodes. <clears throat> um, but, uh, Tom Walker, um, has directed a few, uh, short films, um, which we'll put links to in the episode, uh, description. Uh, so you can check those out. And he's done um, a few music videos that are noir related. And he's got a new one that's just come out. Uh, and I believe his company is called Medusa Video. And you can find him on Instagram at medusa.video95. I think is his primary haunt. Um, but again, we'll we'll post all the links in, uh, in the video description so you guys can check it out. And uh, without further ado, do oh but with oh, further ado with you further, should okay. you should explain to the listeners um what a mess you made of trying to speak to him in the first place why do we always have to go there well i'm just <laughs> i'm not I, I don't understand why everybody believes i'm some technical wizard i don't get it like skype is difficult enough for me but then to try to do facebook audio is was. When all we heard was like a, a play park, right, and me right. and Tom were both on the phone going, "Is that you that's in a play park?" All no, right. I saw you were in a play park. No, turns out it is Jason Morris that was in a play park, and none of us knew. I was not in a park for whatever reason. I, I was in the middle of researching Tom's work, and YouTube was up in one of my browsers. And you know, once you finish a video on YouTube, it'll automatically go to another video. For whatever freaking reason, the next video that came up was people in a park. <laughs> and and I'm like, I can barely hear Tom and Carly talking, but I can hear them. And they can't hear me yet because I, I'm technically disadvantaged when it comes to plugging in this audio equipment. Um, and it's it's a chore every time. So... I'm hearing all this park noise thinking, oh, Tom must be talking outside. Maybe he's at work or something. And, you know, he's taking his lunch break. And, man, I got to hurry up and get the stuff plugged in so we don't run out of time with them. And, like, I'm hearing all these kids playing. And it's, like, driving me nuts. And I can't – I can barely hear them. Finally, I get my mic working. And the the park is still there. <laughs> and I'm, like – I kind of ignore it because I'm thinking, well, he must be outside. I'm not outside. I'm pretty sure Carly's not outside. So Carly's must, never outside. Yeah. She doesn't like daylight. I'll burn. <laughs> so you can never find her at a park. Ah, it's like the Wicked Witch of the West. Ah, I'm melting. <laughs> so I'm thinking, well, he must be. So I'll just ignore it. And then they keep talking about it. And I'm like, I, I don't know what that is. I thought it was you guys. <laughs> so I start looking around my computer. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like some YouTube video playing in the background. <laughs> It's like that thing on Facebook that I keep seeing that's like your your brain's like Windows where it's got no idea where the music's coming from. That was that. That was that. That was exactly what that is, yeah. That was exactly that. It was like some sort of creepy horror film where we were just waiting to be murdered. <laughs> yeah. So we had an adventurous uh, first interview. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> All right, so. Now that my faults are out of the way. <laughs> but on the 
plus side, Tom yeah. was awesome to chat to over the background noise of Jason's park. <laughs> not my park. Again, not my park. <laughs> <laughs> There's no kids at my park. <laughs> It'd be very quiet. <laughs> Does she want to swing? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was. It must have been like New York Central Park or something. It was pretty noisy. <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, here we go with uh, our interview with uh, Tom Walker. And that's Satellites from a band called The Point, from a music video directed by our guest today, who studied at Oxford Brooks University and graduated film school in 2016, and who not only works as a post-production operator at Universal Pictures International, but co-owns a production company, Medusa Video, where they shoot music videos, show reels, and short films. Their latest production is a music video with noir themes, and we'll post links in the description so everyone can check that out along with some other projects they've produced. Without further delay, we would like to welcome Tom Walker to the Speakeasy Noir cast. Hey, Tom, how's it going? Hey, yeah, very good. Thank you very much for having me. You have done quite a bit, it looks like, in the past couple years, uh, from what I can tell. Can you give us a little bit background, like how you got started in, in doing film? You know, we know you went to uh, film school and you graduated from that, and um, you've got a production company, and you're working for Universal, which is amazing. Um, give us some background, like what... Where did where did you start and and how did you gravitate towards a couple of these noir projects that you've done? Sure, I don't really come from a film background. Like my parents were never um, into film or into filmmaking. Really, I I just grew up in London, um, went to school as any any other sort of teenager would do. Um, but I was always like fascinated by film from from sort of an early age. Um, I love like sci-fi, fantasy films. Um, but but sort of the idea of becoming a filmmaker was was never something that was introduced to me. Even at secondary school, we had no sort of media um, media classes, film classes, or anything. Um, but I just found myself sort of obsessed with watching films, um, lots of Star Wars, lots of Lord of the Rings, um, that kind of thing. And and it wasn't until I was looking for universities to go through. I was around sort of sixteen, seventeen, and my mum knew how much I, I love watching film and she just suggested that I, I look for a film course around the UK, um, which is never something I, I thought about. I, I, I really loved English and I loved writing, so I, I wanted to do do that, preferably um, literature. Um, and, and we were on the way to, um, I think, Oxford Brooks looking, looking at the film course and um, looking at the English course, sorry, and, and um, she suggested we look at the film. And I, I knew there was a sort of stigma attached to sort of doing film or creative subjects I was like oh no I'll do my English um, but she insisted and we visited the course when we were there and um, absolutely fell in love with it and just uh, before I'd never had a had any idea about being a filmmaker or um, sort of creating something myself um, but but I, I looked around this course at Oxford Brooks and absolutely fell in love with the idea of being able to make my own um, my own films and and sort of learn how to write and um I enrolled in the class in in September and in in 2013, and from there I just uh, my my passion for it grew, and I, I getting taught the the foundations, um, lighting, camera work, and um, just just from there I started making my own stuff at university. I had a good group of friends that were really interested in the same thing, and we'd would start by making really stupid little things, little mockumentaries that that cost nothing, and um, we could just sort of be ourselves and 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 have a laugh and. Um, I started taking it a bit more seriously and as my skills grew, my interest grew um, and I sort of started to realise that with a bit more work and a bit more knowledge I could I could do some of the things that I'd see in my head and uh, I sort of got, got to the end of university and I'd, I'd made some short films, I'd done quite well in our um, film festival towards the, the end of university, I won best editing, best music, it was something that I was, I was sort of head over heels in love with and, and from there I've just kept trying to write and, and direct my own things. Um, most of my stuff has, has been sort of no budget, one location, um, just working on my writing and, and making engaging films. But um, that's kind of where I'm at, at now. And I've, I've had a look at, I've found lots of sort of competitions on the internet and, and through film festivals and use those to sort of inspire me to make my own film projects. And recently I found making music videos a really good way of sort of honing my craft. And, and that's the kind of direction I've, I've started going in at the moment. I found it just, just sort of a bit more, a bit easier at the moment while I don't have the budget and the crew to make big sort of epic 
short films or feature films, music videos have been a really good way of sort of honing my craft. So at the moment, that's what I'm focusing on as a, as a sort of goal of of making um, more short films and better short films. But um, that's a, just sort of a very brief brief overview of, of how I got to this point. And uh, I was lucky enough to get a job at Universal as a technical film editor. Um, I was always really interested in film editing. Um, and at Universal, we provide technical support for the, for Los Angeles. Um, we, we're all international based, so every country outside of America, um, we sort of provide post-production support for um, anything coming out of LA, LA and going to the international um, territories. So um, I'm sort of doing that full time and that, that pays the bills. And on the side, I'm, I'm making music videos for local artists, um, short films when I can, and just writing as much as I can really. Um, living in in south london so yeah that's that's where i'm at at the moment nice man so wow <laughs> and that <laughs> happened that happened all happened very quickly right because i yeah i can tell you graduated in 2016 um yeah. yeah and then i mean to move on and and work for universal is a big deal and that's not a uh that that's a fairly prestigious job it's a very uh protected job correct i mean a lot of material from that company goes I mean, you see a lot of stuff that the general public can't see yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm in a very privileged position, a position like I never thought um, I'd be in. But um, I did I did a lot of uh, uh, groundwork at the sort of smaller production companies around London, um, which gave me really good experience to kind of um, land my job at Universal. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm in a very privileged position. Um, and it's, it's an awesome company to work for. Um, yeah, and I'm very lucky. God, I couldn't keep it to myself. <laughs> I'd have to it's tell. I'd, I'd have to tell. I would have to tell somebody. Just, I, I, I couldn't. I'd probably last a day. I'd probably oh, be on with lunch going, Jason, you'll never guess what I've seen. Here's a picture of it. I've, that, I've, I've got to train myself. I've, I've had to train myself over the last few months just to sort of like stay quiet. Yeah. It's, it's good fun, sort of like um, being the person that knows, you know, knows the secrets that other people don't. So you've got to. You gotta, you gotta, gotta train yourself to keep it under wraps. Absolutely, and you wouldn't last long if you didn't, because they're, you know, oh yeah, very. That stuff is very coveted, and that stuff gets out there, or people leak movies, or you know, information things like that. It's just you, you won't last long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That'd so, be the story of me. That was honest. To God. <laughs> it would be Carly, yeah. Carly who. <laughs> <laughs> no podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you've got yeah, you've got got to be very careful. But but yeah, I'm 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 extremely lucky to be working here, and it's yeah, great company to work for. So, you have done quite a quite a lot of different things. Um, you've got some comedy, you've got some noir, you've got some yeah. horror. Is there anything in particular you gravitate to more than the other, or do you have a favorite genre? Are there things uh, you know that you're looking forward to in your career in the future to do that you haven't done yet? Well, yeah, I mean the uh, genre that I definitely definitely gravitate towards is noir. Like, I'm um, not, not just saying that because I'm on your podcast, but it's it's by far my favorite genre to um, to write and to direct. Um, I find sort of like crime and 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 thrill. I, I love I love watching all genres. So I love comedies. I love fantasies. I love noir. But to actually write and to make, I love sort of crime noirs. Um, it's just something about the satisfaction of of uh, writing a good a good crime, a good puzzle. Um, and when you're watching it, figuring out a good crime or a puzzle or getting told the a satisfying payoff, I think there's nothing more satisfying when watching a film is is to to get that payoff that you get from a, a crime film um so that's that that is probably my favorite thing thing to write and direct at the moment um i, I aesthetically I'm, I'm really drawn to the kind of black and white high contrast shadows um of a noir i think it's really good film tool to kind of um get all your information across um and yeah i, I i'm just when I try and sit sit down and write a comedy, I end up writing a noir film. <laughs> if I sit down and try and write a fantasy <laughs> film, I, I end up writing a noir film. And I, I kind of take that as a sign as, yeah, I should be writing sort of crime noir films. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 what I'm, I'm sort of currently drawn to or have been since film school, really. How did uh, your film write... Uh, video come. That's how I found you uh, through a Facebook group. Yeah. Uh, you'd posted um, "Victim" as as one of the projects that you worked on. How did that come about? Uh, so 
I don't know if you, you guys are familiar with the YouTube channel Film Riot. Uh, yeah, I know of them. I, I, I don't really follow them, but I, I definitely know of them. Okay, yeah, there's a, they're, they're a really cool um, sort of YouTube channel that um, posts weekly videos for indie filmmakers or amateur filmmakers, giving them advice. On, um, they might do sort of like lighting setups or um, all sort of low-budget stuff. Um, and they, they ran a competition with a composer website called Filmstro, um, that, uh, that you sort of got access to and, and you can, they, they have a lot of, um, uh, uh, sort of tracks that you can manipulate yourself to kind of fit your film. And they launched a competition a couple of years ago to make a one minute film, um, one minute short film. And, um, I, I, I'm really into making films. So that really appealed to me. And, um, my first thought was, oh, I can make a really cool noir film uh, with that. So, yeah, I entered their one-minute film competition, and um, yeah, I came up with the idea of Victim. Um, I had my so the 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 location in the the film is it's all in one flat, and that was my friend's flat. He was away for the holiday, and he gave me access to his flat. And um, yeah, we completely moved everything out, put in one table, <laughs> um, and shone a light through the window. And I think it made this really cool sort of aesthetically pleasing looking noir film yeah it looks really good i really liked it yeah yeah i was very um yeah i think it was it was sort of a bit of a bit of skill and a bit of luck that we were able to sort of achieve i hear these really amazing um sort of blinds on, on the windows and i every time i go around i always look at them and think like oh, the way the light comes through is really like it sort of casts these really amazing shadows so when i got the this idea for victim i was like right i'm going to do it in in Jake's flat because of the the incredible blinds and the incredible sort of contrast we can get with the with the lighting, and I think that that um, that that paid off really well. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that the look of it is is spot on for you know uh, for a noir film. It looks it looks beautiful. Um, it looks like you guys took quite a bit of time to do that. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. That's nice. um, yeah, it was one of those nice things where we had one. Uh, it was sort of all lit by one light. Um, and we just sort of took an hour or so setting the lighting, but once we got that set, we could sort of focus on the rest of the film, which was quite nice. Right. Um, and you also have delivery, which I I liked quite a bit. I uh, said that I liked that. Did oh, did you? you? Like the voiceover. I did. I like I liked <laughs> yeah. the entire project. I thought it was really well done. It was very very old school noir, yeah. fatal, everything like the brilliant ending. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, so a bit of background with that. That was my first year at university, and I had no idea how to make a film. Um, I had no idea how to light a film, how to shoot a film, but I had this really cool idea in my head, which was um, delivery. And very naively, we just grabbed—I just grabbed a bunch of mates and a camera from our film department. We were in Oxford at the time. We just found a really sort of nice old alleyway that we could pass as 1930s and set up camera and shot this for two nights with drunk students walking through the set. Guerrilla <laughs> style. Not, on, yeah. yeah, honestly, not not really knowing like what we were doing. I was very naive because now I'd, I'd be all like, oh, where are the permits coming from, whatever. But, yeah, we just grabbed a camera and we set up shop and um, shot this for two nights. And weirdly, we... Um, a couple of years later, they filmed The Mummy, the Tom Cruise film, mm-hmm. and um, and they used that same alleyway in the film. And I, I remember watching it thinking, oh, that's really familiar. And it kicked and it was like, wow, we, we just sort of like invaded and walked through our camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they scouted it from our film. You I'm wondering <laughs> what the connection there is, because that's a universal movie. Hmm. Well, 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 yeah. Let's not think too much into that. But <laughs> <laughs> you um, said, guys, yeah. give me a job. I know where you can film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, exactly. There we go, yeah. The leverage. Um, yeah, no, the, um, yeah, and it was just really surreal watching it and thinking, like, oh, wow, there's a Hollywood production there now where we just sort of rocked up with our camera. But, um, yeah, I learned so much on that on that film, Um which is probably my biggest advice for, for filmmakers is um, we were very naive and we didn't know what to do, but we just grabbed the camera and we went and did it, which was, um, it was really good fun. Um, and I'll say maybe, maybe one day when I'm rich and famous, I'll go back and, and take the script and um, sort of refilm it and, and give it a nice gloss to it. But yeah, I'm very proud of how, how it turned out. And I learned so much on that film. I think that's a fantastic idea to, uh, to go back and, and, potentially reshoot it yeah um, i think the it's knowledge i know yeah. yeah i think it's great as it is honestly I, it was, it oh, was super cool much. to watch um yeah. you know i just I, I really dug it i thought it was good um, thank you yeah. yeah congrats for i mean that was like one of your first films is that what you said 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably my second short film I made. Yeah. Amazing. Great job. Thank you. Yeah, the writing is there. That's uh, probably you know what what really makes is the writing is there. Oh, cheers. Yeah. That's nice to hear. Thank you. Um, so uh, we're gonna do this thing where I want you to give us what your favorite classic noir film is, and tell us why. My favorite classic noir film. Oh, that's a. Is it uh, what? What sort of period are we talking? Well, anything you know, classic. No, no neo noirs, basically. Anything from like you know the late thirties up through the uh, you know the end of the noir period of like what was it fifty nine something like that. Yeah. Rocks. Um, hmm, let me have a good thing. I really did the Maltese Falcon at university. I thought that was a brilliant film. Um, Double Indemnity, I think was 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 probably one of my favorites. Yeah, let's go with Double Indemnity. All right. What 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 yeah. was it that I mean? That's a that's a classic. Everybody pretty much loves. Yeah. Was it one of the early ones that you saw first, or did that come later? Did you know? How did you come across Double Indemnity? Um, so I, I mean, I was I was first drawn to neo noir films, so I watched loads of those. But when I was in university, we had a film noir module, and um, they they took us right back to the classics, um, which is something that I've never never really sort of sought out myself at the time. It's sort of twenty fourteen fifteen, um, and uh, yeah, we we watched Tom and Demity, and I, I the thing that took me was it was the first time I sort of realised how good the story was compared to sort of a lot of films these days. So um, Nice. They obviously don't have, didn't have the resources back then, or the money, or the equipment to to make these big budget special effects. They really had to rely on the stories. And I'd say, so it's just come to me the, the third man as well, um, how sort of thought out and and precise the characters are, and um, how clear their motivations are, and they're not relying on big special effects and big big visuals to tell a really engaging and interesting story. And um, uh, yeah, I think that's that's sort of why why I was I'm, I'm drawn to those kind of films. Um, yeah, the Third Man, which which was um, I was blown away by when I first watched it. I thought it was so entertaining. For, you get the stigma of old films, and and people think, oh, film, black and white film from the 30s, like it's going to be dull. But they had to they had to write really engaging stories for people to go and watch them. And um, yeah, they're probably the two films that, that have stuck with me the most since since doing that module. Um, yeah. Excellent. And so you, sorry, go ahead, Carly. I was just, I was just saying what a nice choice this was. I'm actually liking Tom for replacing you. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to take any more job. (laughs) That's why I'm being quiet. It's just my mind's plotting. I'm thinking, ah, he's fine. He's in the UK. (laughs) We're going to have Skype issues. (laughs) She's she's irritated because I said at one point I didn't like Bogey. So she's. she's Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. Exactly. How can you forgive something like that, Tom? (laughs) <laughs> there's no forgiveness it's just moving on and forgetting about it <laughs> yeah so like you, an elephant love <laughs> um, you mentioned neo-noirs what, what is your uh, your top uh, neo-noir film uh, um, I think the film I can never sort of shake out my head is, is Seven hmm. um, obviously David David Finch's Seven which I, I've one of my favourite my top three films of all time I just um, I think it's an incredibly told story, brilliant characters, brilliant acting, pacing. Um, yeah, I, I have to say, but I'm, I've got a big um, soft spot for LA Confidential, big mm-hmm. fan. Um, yeah, they're, they're up there. They're, they're sort of my two favourites, I think. The ones that I always find myself revisiting. Um, but yeah, I, I love Seven. I'm a big David Fincher fan. So. Maybe yeah. we'll have to have you come back on and talk with us when we do uh, we do a review of Seven. It's gonna happen. It's gotta happen. Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all for that. Cool. <laughs> Did you not find it terrifying in that last scene as well when you realise before he does that what's in the box? Oh man, it's like a bit of your soul literally crumbles. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. I just 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 incredible filmmaking. I think, yeah. um, amazingly well written. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Just an all round brilliant film. I, I think I saw that in university as well, which is when when I kind of. Have my had my film awakening, <laughs> and right. sort of got bombarded by all these brilliant films, and yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's just always stuck with me, and I always sort of find myself rewatching it every few months or so. Um, yeah, yeah, those, those, and, and LA Confidential, yeah, shout out to that. I remember watching, watching that for the first time, and for the first hour, I was, I was really bored by it, and I was like, oh, why is this a classic? This is really dull. And then you get to the third act, and you get the, the. Um, you get the incredible payoff and the, and the characters sort of come through and I've, I've rewatched that several times since as well. 
damn, a classic. I, you know, it makes you feel old because I remember when it came out, I went and saw the theater. <laughs> oh, right, fair enough. <laughs> I feel damn Classic old. To me. <laughs> There's no a, double indemnity. Right, right. <laughs> now, I wasn't around then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you sure? Right, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> no, both of those are excellent films. Um, actually, yeah. we, we have a... Uh, we have a, a, a an episode with um, LA Confidential coming up pretty soon here as well. Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah. that's weird. I, wa- I watched that yesterday. Yeah, uh, for the first time, or no? Again, because I quite oh, okay. like it, but I'm a bit yeah. of a Guy Pearce fan, much to Jason's dismay. So <laughs> <laughs> I like he's all right, but I mean Russell Crowe definitely still still is at it. Yeah, oh, no, no, yeah. We're gonna have a conversation okay. about that. All right, all right. <laughs> Ken Basinger. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh all right well great man um what do you have i i hear some uh, murmurs online about uh some new project you got coming up uh yeah i believe it's called man eater uh man eater so yeah that was a film actually we shot a few months ago that was oh. my um not not one that i directed or wrote but i my, my sort of um co-producer on uh, for medusa uh, wrote and directed that that was one of his projects and yeah we we helped out on that so that's going to be released actually quite soon um but i've got a a, a sort of noir themed music video that i've shot recently which is going to be coming out in the next month or so for a really really cool musician called jake tanner that i met who's actually this he's he's italian but he sings american blues music so we shot in a cemetery in london um that sort of um really noir lighting it's it's quite sort of atmospheric and yeah that's coming out soon all right, well, send us over some links, and we'll uh, make Definitely. sure that we get that out to people. Um, look forward to, to watching them, because uh, your music videos are great as well. Oh, uh, thank you very much. So, it's not noir-related, but I was watching Stakeout. Yeah. Like, what wait, wait, wait Stakeout? Like, is this... Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's on uh, Tom's YouTube channel. Oh, okay. Um, I, I thought we were talking about, like, the Emilio Estevez movie. With, oh, no! <laughs> That noir classic. Yeah, that noir classic with Amelia. Um, what was the prop? The the prop. Yeah, because it won best prop. Oh yeah, so it was the um, uh, it was the swear jar. So it had to be it had to be a a London uh, was it a a London souvenir? Ah, see, I I, I'm not just saying this because you've just said this, but I did think that it was. Um, the swear jar, but then I thought, no, is it the steak? Is it like a steak? Yeah, no, no, we, we made sure we obviously sort of shook it in front of the camera. And <laughs> okay, so is this is this a, a British term? What's a swear job? A oh, swear jar. jar. Swear swear jar. Basically, Jason, if we had one, I would be a millionaire. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Every time that you break something and swear at it. You'd have to put in like a dollar. Oh, a swear jar. Okay, I'm oh. sorry. <laughs> I he, doesn't, he doesn't understand what he's saying, Tom. A curse jar. Does that? <laughs> yeah. No, no. A swear. No. You know, we call it a swear jar too. I just, yeah. I was, I don't know. My brain was just like slamming the letters together and trying to yeah. make make it a British thing. <laughs> like for some reason, I'm like what I is this? That's how we got all our words. Yeah. <laughs> slam stuff together. And yeah, there you go. Oh my god! I'm always having to look up words and stuff that Carly's throwing at me, and I'm like, "What does that mean?" It's like another language. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey Tom, do you say nutbag? Uh, yeah. When when the occasion calls for it, yeah. Yeah. Nutbags, like crazy person, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Right. I just There's want some validation the there. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's yeah. like <laughs> not bad doing. Yeah. yeah, we don't use it yeah. very often out here, but it's it'd be like nut job or something like that. You should introduce it. Yeah. Yeah, I would just stumble on everybody like, what, are there peanuts around here? What's going, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I'm hungry, yeah. <laughs> 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 and I didn't watch Stakeout, um, so I'm going to have to check that out as well. And oh, yeah. And see what happens. That was one of our um, 48 hour film projects. Okay. Could. I'm going to have yeah. to see what, see what the swear jar prop is all about here <laughs> yeah you have to see it and you have to watch they walk among us which again isn't the war but i mentioned it because it's hilarious i told tom earlier i spat my coffee out on the floor because it's pretty great oh, that's high praise thank you very much <laughs> there's a patch of my carpet that, that is just praise to you right now uh, i did watch the oxford brooks university retrospective which i thought was hilarious by the way oh god that was <laughs> so uh, that's, that's going back a while yeah that was so funny though <laughs> so awesome that's great thank you very much right. so yeah you definitely got some comedy chops there buddy yeah 
Maybe I'll, I'll I'll try and sort of put that together in a while and see if I can get a new genre or something. Yeah, well, you know, we're we're big fans of uh, the Cheap Detective and uh, Murder yeah. by Death, things like that. Oh so no, yeah, we, would, we wouldn't be against that. Definitely not. <laughs> I'll see what Definitely I can do. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, Tom. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. We really appreciate it. I had a great time. Thank you very much. All right, we'll talk to you again. Cool. Cheers. Bye. All right, there you have it. Uh, that was our interview with Tom Walker. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and please uh, check out his work. Um, we'll post some links in the episode uh, description. And uh, he's he's a pretty talented filmmaker, and uh, I, I particularly loved his uh, short film that he did for um, uh, shoot, what was it called? Forty-eight hour film. <laughs> yeah, it was a forty. Yeah, but it was for didn't he, didn't he have it? He has it on. Um, uh, film, film, whatever it is, those guys, those funny guys that do the film thing. Anyway, it'll oh, be funny or die. No, not funny or die. No, 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 no. I'm no. just saying things. So. Yeah, it, it's it's in the interview. Anyway, uh, there'll be a link. You guys will see it. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, please check out um, Night Editor if you get a chance. It's a it's a pretty solid film. Oh, and uh, next week, I guess we will. Um, We'll announce it because we've had a, a listener um, uh, send us a message and they want us to uh, check out a film called Point Blank. Uh, now, right off the bat, this is a 1967 film. Um, so we know it's outside of the, the classic noir uh, time period. Um, so this might be a, a neo-noir. I've never seen it myself. So I'll have to, you know, I'm excited to kind of delve in and see what it is. But he also suggests, uh, what did he suggest, Carly, that we do about... Um, Defining noir? Yeah, kind of like dissecting neo-noir and what constitutes a neo-noir and kind of where the cutoff is. Okay, cool. Yeah, that'll be a, yeah. that'll be a good thing to discuss. Um, so I'm excited to see this film and see uh, see what that's all about. And I would assume it's going to be a neo-noir. Uh, um, and yeah, I'm, I think that'll be a, be a fun uh, diversion there. So there you have it, guys. Uh, this was uh, episode 16. Uh, night editor and interview with Tom Walker. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and until next time. Bye-bye. He's looking at you, kid. Thanks for joining us this week on the Speakeasy Noir Cast. Make sure to visit our website, resurrectionfilms.net, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, The Dark Side of Acting Up, available now on Amazon.